An amazing 1.5 million readers subscribe to the Sage Advice newsletter to learn and gain advice to help them better run their businesses. You too can have the Sage Advice newsletter delivered directly to your inbox. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Sage Advice, later in the episode. She she also said that she thinks that we have been covering the IRS a little bit too much, David. She gave me All right, I'll scratch. IRS 150 <laughs> chance you can speak but, to human. But, Article's but, done. We just covered it. Done. But we have to talk about it because it's like somebody in the Biden administration was listening to our show. This news about the $80 billion for the IRS. Today is Monday, May 3rd. This is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Happy May to you, David. Happy May as well. Um, uh, I took the weekend off. My wife graduated uh, college, so I, we did not record on Friday or Saturday, and now it's Monday evening recording. And I and also I, got my to be clear. Shot wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Yes. <laughs> to be clear, okay. your wife graduated college, but she's not like in her early twenties. No, no. She got her graduate degree uh, in uh, master's in education guidance counseling. Don't quote. Don't 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 quote me on any of this, but it's something like that. I just wanted to make it clear for our listeners, you know, you're not some weird old guy married to some woman who's like way younger than him. I'm a podcaster. I don't make enough money <laughs> for that. Well, I'm excited that it's May. Oh, you were saying though. and But I got my COVID shot. I got that last the, week. The second on Wednesday. one. No, the, first one. The I'm first one and done. Got one and done. Johnson, Johnson, one and done. Good. Yeah, got it. Next day I had a bad earache and some headaches and then uh, nothing that if you drink a little alcohol goes away and a little sore throat. So I was thinking, remember at the beginning of the pandemic when everybody was just drinking a lot? Mm-hmm. Maybe everybody just had COVID and didn't even know. <laughs> and they were just covering it up with alcohol? Yeah, it just, like, it, it worked. I, if I drink, if I, if I, either if I took Advil <laughs> or drink, like I didn't have the headache or the earache and my mm. throat didn't bother me. Well, that's my philosophy when I'm sick, you know, a little whiskey. Anyway, I'm excited that it's May because Cinco de Mayo is coming up and you and I have something on the calendar, and the name of this event is Zero de Mayo. Zero, it's spelled with an X. And I'm so excited, David, because I've been playing this long game for all these years. How do I get David Leary, <laughs> who worked for 20 years at Intuit, onto Zero? <laughs> and you finally caved. And on Cinco de Mayo, we are celebrating with a Zero de Mayo party, and I'm going to teach you how to invoice out of Zero. Yes, I was about to cancel this meeting though. I was kind of busy on that Wednesday, but it'll still happen. <laughs> well, no, it has you know, to happen. I, it's on I, the I've got invited. It's gonna be good. I'll learn a little about zero. You know, we'll 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 kick it around a little bit. We'll uh, <laughs> you know access. It. So I'll be using QuickBooks and Zero in parallel. It's gonna be exciting, exciting times. You're gonna have all points of view. You know, you're like right in the middle there. So I did have a, a lunch with a listener. And how did that go? So so Richard Betts, he's uh, from Telluride, Colorado. He is the president and founder of ASAP Accounting and Payroll. He They have uh, about 1,000 clients. When we were joking about that. We we're like, geez, you should have a billion-dollar valuation. Like, pilot us. <laughs> ASAP as in as soon as possible? I yes. like that. That's um, great. And, and so he's been in this space for about 30 years. He was in Tucson for a wedding, and he shot me an email when he's coming to town and said, hey, you want to, you know, so we had a, a beer and uh, it's some uh, guacamole and chips and shot the crap a little bit about the industry. And it was just nice to always hear from a listener and uh, hang out. I too got to listen to a listener. Talk to me finally uh, this weekend. That was really fun too. Uh, Nicole McKenzie from uh, San Francisco was talking about how much she loves the show. 
great to see you, Nicole. And she she also said that she thinks that we have been covering the IRS a little bit too much, David. She gave me All that right, feedback. I'll scratch. IRS 150 <laughs> chance you can speak but, to human. But, Article's but, done. We just covered it. Yeah. But we have to talk about it because it's like somebody in the Biden administration was listening to our show. This news about the $80 billion for the IRS. Did you hear about this? Yeah. It feel, yes, it is. It's like somebody's listening. Yeah. So our hashtag works. So we don't need to go into excruciating detail about it. We just need to brag about it, which is we've been talking about how the IRS had this shortfall. They needed, you know, something like $100 billion to actually go after the tax gap. And now the Biden administration is saying they want to give the IRS $80 billion over the next decade to go after the tax cheats and also a bunch of other stuff. So it's happening, people. I mean, it's it's not as much as they totally need, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. No, I mean, well, and I, here's the thing. I don't think they could actually spend the full amount that they need all in, you know, a short amount of time. They got to ramp up, right? So that's cool. And and hopefully it won't just mean more audits. Hopefully it will also mean better service, right? That's really important to us is answer the phone, have a better than a 4% rate of answering the phone, that sort of thing actually catch up on those, what, 29 million tax returns, returns they yeah, haven't done yet. Returns. You covered uh, my whole article. I'm on scratch. I don't have to talk about it now. Good job. <laughs> there was something else, though, that I want to talk about with the uh, with the IRS. Uh, and now I've forgotten it completely. It's out of my head. It's gone. Maybe it'll come back. So there's been uh, some news across the board. Should we talk about, um, about how companies went right back to their heavy use of non-standard accounting metrics during the pandemic? Oh, that's a good one. I saw that article too, the non-GAAP measures. But before that, I did just remember what I was going to talk about, which is... Perfect. So I understand why as an accountant, especially if you are a tax accountant, you might think this is not great for the IRS to get all these resources to come after you and your clients. But here is my argument as a marketing person is this is a huge opportunity to build an audit defense practice or to at least market it more, to build it out, to grow it. Ah, right. Yes. Yes. David, oh. you always said, you always said this on the show that it would be good if the IRS had more resources because then they would be going after tax cheats who would need our help. So this is going to happen. So get ready now, start preparing now, prepare your practice, build out landing pages, services, fixed really, price. Fear-based marketing. Exactly. That's the best marketing. Yeah, it's the best marketing, right? People are going to worry now, okay, is the IRS going to come after me? What can I do to fix this? Maybe I'm going to go back and amend some returns so that it doesn't look so bad. I mean, there's lots of strategies, right? You can send out this? emails with a subject line. Biden funds $80 billion to the IRS to come audit your business. Exactly. That kind of stuff. I would be eating that up if I were in uh, a firm, right? I, I mean, I would be pushing that out. And my clients would be eating that up. Uh, so that's where that's we'll talk about that more in future episodes. I don't have any like specific ideas now. I'm, I'm curious if our listeners think that's a great idea or if they have plans in this regard, you know, let us know. But that's that's my feeling is that this is actually an opportunity for us. It could be a pain, but it depends how you look at it. So, David, you were going to talk about now the, the uh, non-GAAP measures. Yeah. So, you know, people just invent things a little along the way. And uh, this article, so there's uh, Francine McKenna. She's an accounting expert and adjunct professor at International Business of American University. Mm -hmm. um, and she was former Market Watch reporter. So this article was in actually on marketwatch.com. And she went on to say, there's a, uh, they often just charge or change losses to take profits. And the stock market is barely aligned with any fundamentals at this point. 
so that's the argument. And the proliferation of non-GAAP measures was something that happened, was was increasing before the pandemic and people were complaining about it. And I, I saw this article too in MarketWatch and I, I felt like it kind of missed one point of view. So it was all about how companies are not following GAAP. And I guess the implicit conclusion is that we need to enforce GAAP more. Did you get that feeling? Like we need to hold Well, it? yeah, I think that's uh, in the... Um the SEC should crack down on this. Right. And a lot of it is because the there's just a lot of adjustments happening, right? Remember right. the whole uh, EBITDA stuff, right? That yeah. A lot of that was going on. Yeah, that's and, how, get, I mean, that's what non-GAAP yeah. measures are, right? You like take stuff that, that doesn't look good and is, you know, and you back it out, right? You add it back into your revenue or whatever. So my question is, is this, be, is this a problem because companies are just taking advantage of lax oversight and using non-GAAP measures to make themselves look better when they really shouldn't be doing that? Or is this because GAAP is outdated? That's the other argument, is that the reason companies are using so many non-GAAP measures is because GAAP doesn't really capture the full picture anymore. And there's all those arguments that we've talked about, about intangibles. Yes, intangibles. That's the largest write-off, right? Or adjustment. 30% of all adjustments involve intangibles. And GAAP does a really, really bad job of valuing intangibles. Um, and, and for some people, there's like some massive swings where the, you know, uh, exploratory ex- uh, exploration expense, right? And they just, they're putting in the oil and gas industry. And yeah. Gas, yeah. Right? There's just back. a lot of these because, and then they, they get to defer it out and then they, you know, get to claim a profit for this quarter. And some of this is like, arguably like, is this really because everything's driven by the street? It's this constant beat the pre- next quarter, beat the next quarter, beat the next quarter. So you have to keep constantly playing at the numbers. Maybe it is. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Client Hub. Are your clients creating bottlenecks in your workflow? Typical workflow systems are built for internal teams only and not clients, leaving your team constantly waiting for client responses. Client Hub is the one and only workflow solution with a client collaboration portal that automates client requests for everything you need to complete your work. Client Hub is built by cloud accountants for cloud accountants, and when you adopt Client Hub's unique combination of workflow and client collaboration, magic happens. They guarantee it. Your team will love powerful checklist workflows. Your clients will love the easy-to-use Client Hub web portal and mobile app. Client Hub currently has an amazing offer just for our listeners. 25% off your first three months by using promo code CAP25. And at the end of three months, if Client Hub hasn't radically improved your productivity, they will refund your money. It's a zero-risk way to remove all your blocked client workflows. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash client hub. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-L-I-E-N-T-H-U-B. Uh, well, I have actually a related story to beating the numbers. Did you know Under Armour was playing that game? And Oh, yeah, were- yeah. I think we even talked about this almost two years ago. Something like that. It was a while ago. Yeah, Under Armour is paying $9 million to resolve an SEC accounting probe. They pulled forward orders quarter after quarter after quarter, meaning they were giving incentives to their retailers to place orders and pulling them in, pulling them forward, right? So like like artificially inflating their revenue 
to appear health, healthier. Yeah, so like in 2018, 2017, 2018, 2019, they were booking orders in that current period that were going to take place now in 2021. And like they were really like pressuring these companies. Here's an email in the case. One of the vendor, one of the uh, customers that was asked to commit to buying more goods re- replied in an email to Under Armour, quote, we just bought a bunch of your goods in early to help out your quarter, dot, dot, dot. Now you want more, dot, 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 more, dot, 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 more, dot, 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 more, dot, 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 30% price discount, please. <laughs> Under Armour gave them a 25% discount and an extra month to pay in order to get that order in. So here's what's an- really annoying to me about this. Okay, talk about like lax SEC oversight. The company's paying $9 million and it was something like 408 million in orders over six consecutive quarters. Neither the CEO, I'm sorry, not the CEO, the executive chairman and co-founder, Kevin Plank, or the CFO, David Bergman, are going to be held accountable in any way. So it's just like a slap on the wrist. Nine million bucks for Under Armour? It's like nothing. Oh yeah, they just have to sell their some future shoes. And they don't even have to, they don't even have to admit wrongdoing. So, hey, there was a ton of app news this week, right? We got a hit on that. Yeah, before we jump into that, uh, there was a QuickBooks payroll. I don't know if you heard, had an outage on Friday morning. Oh, well, this is app news. Let's talk about it. I guess it's app news. Okay. Yeah. I saw a post on Twitter, or sorry, Twitter and then uh, Facebook as soon as I woke up Friday morning and people, you know, were, were desperate, right? Especially, I mean, accountants and bookkeepers were, but really who was really desperate were, were just the average in-house bookkeeper, right? Whose boss is calling them and accusing them of not running payroll because none of the direct deposit made it to the employees' accounts. Oh, wow. So employees are calling in saying, where's my money for my paycheck? It didn't come in this morning like usual. And then on the bookkeeping side, you're in the payroll side at QuickBooks, you know, and the, you're like, all the payroll ran. I have confirmations. It went out, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it turns out um, and Intuit eventually responded and said it was like due to third party issue. And then I think I saw something today where it might have been something on Bank of America side. I'm not 100% sure of the, the final, final cause of this. Mm-hmm. But really, the bigger issue goes to what we've talked about before with all these companies. It's the not responding or delayed response or stupid canned responses. People went three or four hours, five hours without getting a response to Uh. begin with. And then there was no support. There was no this. Apparently, there was a message on the phones. They were shut down for a company meeting. You know, it's just that that typical not getting the the service when there's an outage. It should be all hands on deck. And for whatever reason, it just feels like these companies, these tech companies completely drop the ball. The pendulum swing the other way. Like, oh, my God, we have an outage. It should be everybody running like their hair's on fire to address it publicly. And it's almost like swings the other way. Like people put their head in the hole and like, I don't want, maybe they won't notice. Well, there's no, there's no plan to notify and there's no like status update page. Like I love it when an app has a status page where you can go there and you can see what's working, what's not and get an update. And you know, that's the place you go. Not some Twitter feed, not calling into support. Every app should have that. Yes. But Twitter always beats those apps. You know that, right? That's true. Just just search your app. Whatever, whatever problem, when you think something's down, search that app is down on Twitter and you'll find out the results. Like every time it will beat any automated status program that's checking the servers themselves. So what was the impact of this? Did everyone get their direct deposit? Was it delayed? My understanding is everybody has been paid. It's gone through. I think I've seen a couple stray tweets here and there, but my understanding, it did go through. 
everybody got made whole. The problem was it just wasn't handled mm. very well from a communication standpoint again. I mean, obviously you're investigating. Sometimes maybe you don't know all the messages. Right. But right. maybe that's what you say. Like, hey, oh my God, this is horrible. All hands are on deck researching this. We'll, be, we'll give you an update in a half hour. Sometimes the update might just be, oh, we still don't have an answer yet, but at least it's showing progress, right? But I don't know. Nobody seems to like, we just have a consulting company on like how to respond on social media when you have an outage. Like we could have a whole consulting company about this. Well, speaking of Intuit, Intuit has released a survey report called Financial Impact of COVID-19 Revealed in QuickBooks Analysis of One Million Small Businesses. Maybe that's not the name of the report, but that's the headline. And there's some key findings in here. It's very interesting. They they look through, apparently, all of the QuickBooks accounts, the data anonymously, and tallied up bank deposits and withdrawals and found the net deposits across businesses all over the country, a million small businesses. Yeah. So finally, we've been talking about that. Like, when is Intuit going to do something like this with this data they have, right? And they did it. So it's not like super accurate because it's using net bank deposits, but you can get a good idea from that. Well, and, so. and they, they go into details about how they did it, which was nice. They really disclosed a lot. So, you know, if somebody has a loan. That didn't count. Or you're making a deposit from another bank account and that bank account's not in QBO. They were able to kind of figure that out and they try to remove that as much as possible. But if a business, for example, has two bank accounts and they added one to the bank feeds, they wouldn't have insight into that. And then they eliminated companies that did not have uh, a connection to their bank feeds for the whole year. Now, that's kind of interesting to me because... You know, everybody's bank feeds disconnect and you reconnect it, right? Like, like did, did those people get left in the data or did, you know, if, if, if disconnected and you never reconnected, they just assumed, all right, we can't use this data. Well, it's a good proxy for our people keeping up with their books. Yep. So I think that that's a good policy. Uh, but let's get to the actual takeaways. Yes. So I'm curious to know what you thought was interesting. Uh, the key findings here, the impact of COVID-19 on small business revenue in the US was most severe in April 2020 when it dropped by 22% nationwide. So that's across all industries, all businesses. Now, here's what's interesting. 61% of industries, so a majority, more than half of industries, saw annual revenues increase during the pandemic following a largely sustained recovery since April 2020. So even though there was a huge drop in revenue across businesses, a lot of them recovered, more than half. Which kind of possibly shows like maybe we actually got stimulus out fast enough. Yeah. Given the positive outlook of economists and CFOs, I think that could be a big takeaway of all of this. We'll see, right? We won't know until the year is over. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. The top performers over the past 12 months, home improvement, real estate, mortgage bankers. I mean, obviously, there's been so many home sales. Worst hit businesses, recreation. At the end of March 2021, bowling alleys, for instance, annual revenues are down by 33%. Yeah, 250000 per business. I also noticed elementary and secondary schools took a hit, 16%. The other takeaway I noticed if you, is the states with the biggest lockdowns had the biggest hits. Yeah. Why, why, it makes sense, right? <laughs> and, and, um, and then like South Dakota like was well, barely had anything. They didn't lock down ever. They barely had any hit. Yeah, so you and I are in Arizona, right? That was negative uh, 16% here on this map. This was, of course, in April of 2020, which is sort of like a proxy for the entire pandemic. How bad was it then? So California, minus 28%. New York, minus 
Arizona, we were only down 16, but like you said, South Dakota, 6%, uh, Idaho, 9% down Utah, Utah, I think, uh, one of the best 6% Arkansas minus 4%. So really disparate impact on businesses. And the other takeaway I think was that businesses are recovering faster. Like basically they're in a, in a better shape now this March than they were in the previous March. Yeah. Yeah. Most businesses. Are- if you could sur- if you survived, if you survived, obviously there's people that didn't survive. And-, and it's probably because, you know, you survived. The impact wasn't horrible. You got stimulus and that made you whole and more than whole is probably what happened is my guess. Yeah. I would love to see, like, I mean, if I was into it, I'd release this every single month. I just update, like, here's the latest trends. Here's the latest data. It's, it, it's, it's kind of anonymous. Like it would be really, really interesting. They could like own this position. Like everybody just goes to intuit to see the state of the economy. It'd be like the uh, ADP report that you always hear on marketplace. Yes. Every single month. This episode of the cloud accounting podcast is sponsored by Sage advice. Are you struggling with any part of running your accounting or bookkeeping firm? If you are, Sage is here to help with their blog site, Sage Advice. Sage Advice provides actionable solutions to your everyday business needs. They provide the best advice on everything from managing money to people, along with tailored advice for startups, small businesses, enterprises, and accountants. Sage Advice is more than just a blog site. It has free eBooks, templates, guides, webcasts, podcasts, videos, and even Twitter chats that are designed to help you learn the key skills to successfully manage your clients' finances, operations, and people. Join Sage's growing community of business leaders, CFOs, and accountants who subscribe to their monthly newsletter for help with the challenges including attracting new customers, improving processes, staying ahead of the competition, and much, much more. To subscribe to the Sage Advice newsletter and to get a copy of the Artificial Intelligence and Business Guide 2020, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash sageadvice. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash S-A-G-E-A-D-V-I-C-E. Sage Advice, wisdom for smarter businesses. Well, let's talk about more apps. Expensify is going to go public. That's some big news. Did you hear about the IPO? It just came out this morning. I think I there was word of this or, or word was coming out, right? So they have confidentially submitted a draft registration statement on form S1 to the US Securities and Exchange Commission relating a proposed IPO of common stock, price range, size not yet determined. It's going to be interesting to see if David Barrett's uh, stand, political stand publicly with customers has any impact on the IPO. And I wonder if that will become part of the coverage of it when they actually do go through the IPO. Right. Will that be something oh, that they regret? It. People forget. People like, <laughs> like if people forget stuff so fast in this country. Like it comes and goes. Like, I, I don't think it's be an issue. We'll see. Maybe we'll be talking about it. Maybe we won't. Taxjar is joining Stripe. Stripe. Payment processor is acquiring TaxJar to build the world's tax compliance infrastructure. Very exciting for the TaxJar team. Did they say anything about the deal? What are the terms of it? So they, there's there's no terms disclosed, but in 2019, um, the last time TaxJar raised money, they were valued at 179 million. But I imagine with the the boost in e-commerce and everything else, this had to be close to a billion dollar deal. Like I can't imagine tax jar in the last three years has not 
become a, a billion dollar unicorn company. Um, other news that were in there since in 2013, TaxStar launched and they have 23,000 customers. And all the 200 of the TaxStar employees are now going to be joining Stripe. And it looks like they really are looking to bundle this in with their uh, revenue platform. So it'll sit right next to their Stripe billing. And they have a product called Radar, which is like fraud prevention. And then they probably were going to try to build new services using AI to automate more functions. Because ultimately, I think they like the whole concept of TaxJar. But right now, even though TaxJar works with Stripe, you have to do a lot of hoop jumping, right? You got to log into TaxJar, create a separate account, get a unique URL, paste it in your Stripe orders product, right? And so that's like their first goal is just to make it completely Mm. seamless. So it's more like that Stripe experience across the board. Brex has raised $425 million at a $7.4 billion valuation. But that's not the news, Blake. That's not the news. <laughs> What's the news? The news is Brex launched a GL. What? Yes. Where, where did you see this? So, so Brex unveiled uh, a new dashboard for their business. It's called uh, Brex Premium. $49 a month. Right. And you could, if you use the Brex card, you could get what they call, you know, those like Brex dollars or Brex points. You could pay for it with that instead. Um, And basically, it's an all in one finance solution. So instead of using multiple platforms and apps, you can just do everything in Brex. And so Brex actually had a really detailed blog on their their Medium blog post. So it talks about how their vision is to build an all in one finance. Right, they want to offer everything a growing company needs to manage their finance in a single product experience. So with premium, you're getting OCR and bill pay. So you just forge your bills. There's a bill pay feature, right? And then when it's done, it syncs it to your ERP. Alerts, so spending trends. So if you're spending too much on a certain thing, or there's a subscription that was out of the norm, right? Unusual spend, like all that's built in there. Um, obviously, they do all their expense cards and you know, budgets and things like that tied to their expense cards. And they've added reports. With reports, companies can understand exactly where their dollar is going, drilling down into departments, merchants, and GL accounts. Wait, so when you say it's a GL, I mean, are we talking debits and credits? Like this is a full-on accounting system? Well, what what is this? So so, so it's it's if if they have all your expenses, yeah, and they're connected to your bank accounts, and then they have your income because you connect. That's the first thing you do when you use Brex. You can't use it without connecting your bank account. Right, right. They're right. able to produce reports. They can produce reports on spend, and single, spend and, yes, like and, and, and your revenue. Income. Right, but can they, they, they can they out. produce a balance sheet? That's what I want to know. Not technically, but <laughs> who, who wants a balance sheet? Right? For most people, they're like, this is good enough. It has the, the reports I need. I can do my I, I can make decisions about my business. That's interesting. So I feel like their market that Brex started with was definitely tech startups. Well funded startups, yeah. Yeah. And they need a balance sheet. So is, does this mean that Brex has already expanded beyond the startup community and is now going to serve, you know, random businesses. Like, I mean, that's a big deal. I guess, I guess they've got all the money to go after the big market now. Well, I think a lot of the raises Brex has had in the past is it's really operating capital, right? Not, not so much for growth, but actually the, uh, cause they're basically, well, cause they're a lender too. Spend. They're a lender. They're a yeah. lender in a way. Yeah, yeah. So are they, so they're providing banking services or is it just lending? Uh, they have a bank. They're so a bank they're a well. bank. Yeah. So they are, they're a bank and they've marched very clear down this GL path. So they are basically a bank lender, credit card provider with probably, I mean, single entry accounting type of stuff. That's something that a lot of business owners then would 
be signing up for. This is a threat to like traditional banking, but yeah, also QuickBooks. Yeah. And I mean, and they're all going to do it. Divi bought an account or cloud accounting package, right? So Divi owns something. Yeah, they, uh, I'm sure Ramp and Airbase, they all think they're going to be the next QuickBooks. Like everybody wants to do that. But what's really interesting about this is we read what they're offering is, then it's like, why do you need like Pilot? I mean, obviously, eventually you need some true closed books, but they're going after the same customer. And Brex is essentially 49 bucks a month. And Pilot's going to charge me possibly $499 a month for their premium service. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all about that inflection point. What we talked about in our last episode, when the business owner can no longer use the software to do it themselves, where it's, you know, 30 minutes a day and it becomes just too much. Now it's an hour a day and they're like, that's too much. I don't want to do that much anymore. Even 30 minutes a day for a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs is too much. So the question is how far can Brex take them before they do need to hire somebody? So I don't know, maybe, maybe that'll cause Brex to start a partner program or something for accountants. And if you're, but, but in theory, right, you don't have to leave Brex because like you might, you might outgrow some of the, their alerts feature. You might outgrow the reports feature. You might even outgrow their bill pay feature, Yeah, but you're probably, if your company's growing, you're probably still going to need to manage expense cards. Yeah. Well, at a certain point you're going to have to produce financial statements. So that's definitely a breaking point. But also like, I know you brought up Expensify before, but it feels like, you know, isn't this kind of like, there's been a lot of Brex knockoff products that have came out to the market, very similar products, right? Like Expensify could just add reports. Right, or add some some trendy alerts thing. Like it feels very very disruptible. Um, we can talk about on deck. Yeah. Okay. So on deck capital on deck got bought by uh, Innova, right? And so on deck's now going to offer. And I didn't know the, these companies were starting to do this. Remember, so on deck's in the like small business, kind of high interest rate loans. They're kind of risky loans. Yeah, the short term short term high... risky loans. Yeah. Right. They are now going to package these up. Does this sound familiar? They're going to package these up and sell them as an asset-backed security. Oh no! This is the end, David. This is the beginning of the end this of the is market. 2008, right? This yeah. is this is 2008 home mortgages, high high risky mortgages bundled together, giving them a triple A bond sale rating. Can okay, David, keep your eye on this. As soon as big institutions start purchasing these, uh, let me know, and I'm going to pull all my money out of the market. So apparently Harvest has already done this. So Harvest, they have their own small business finance because every every app basically is, you know, into it's got their loans. The time tracking app? Harvest? No, well, Harvest, yeah, it's Harvest is the time tracking and invoicing, but they have their own business finance tool. Okay. Basically, if you have small businesses as customers, why not spin up a loan product? You have their eyeballs, right? And you could give them, everybody wants money. And if you can get some a 30% loan, you could get 10%. And it's 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 a good it's a good racket if you got it right, but they've been offering. They started selling their unguaranteed debt as well in the same fashion. So we, this might be a we might be over the next six months hearing a lot of people doing this. Yeah, I, I just feel like unsecured debt is so risky. I'd be worried about that. Well, what else? How about some non-depressing news? We have updates from Zero. Zero's product news for May 2021. They've given the report styles page in Zero HQ a facelift, making it easier to upload the logo of your accounting or bookkeeping practice and choose the title color that will appear on published reports. Hmm. You know, I'm a little disappointed with that, actually. Like, I feel like there's some other reporting features that I would like to see as opposed to a logo. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. That was the first one. This doesn't bode too well. Um, 
upload chart of accounts templates in CSV format to zero HQ. So that makes it easier to customize your chart of accounts templates in zero HQ. You can now upload an existing template in a CSV format to your template library. I feel like this was like something they talked about. This is like, (laughs) it's like a small improvement to an old feature. Okay. Um, View all your bank rules in one place. So this means you can now see the details of each bank rule in your bank rules list rather than having to click edit. That, that's handy, especially if you can see it across clients. What else? Oh, remember how we talked about e-invoices? Yes. In Australia and New Zealand? And Zero bought this e-invoicing company to do it globally. So now Zero customers in Australia and New Zealand can opt to send e-invoices and you can uh, receive them now. Okay, so actually last year, you sorry, I got this all wrong. Last year, they enabled sending of e-invoices. Now you can also register to receive invoices. You register once, and then all your incoming e-invoices will be delivered directly into Zero, pre-populated as a draft bill. So this may sound strange to U.S. accountants. It's not strange. We do this with Melio. Well, right, where you can like register and then receive bills directly as invoices, or uh, sorry, wait, invoices directly as bills. Yeah, so you can basically say, oh yeah, I trust this vendor for now on, just push it in as a bill. Yep. So, so this is like. Uh, more than just the one-to-one, you can register as a company. Anyone can find you, I think, in this directory and then send you a invoice, e-invoices from now on. Like there's no gate. Like once you're, you basically are opting in to getting e-invoices. Correct. There's not really a gate. It makes sense. Sort of like paperless billing for everyone. Um, and then just in time for it to already be over, they've updated the 1099 reporting. This always happens with every app. I feel like they... They get the pressure in January to fix their 1099 stuff. And then it happens, but after the after when it's needed. So for next year, you can look forward to this. Now, when you create 1099 rules, you can select multiple accounts at once when setting up rules. So lots of small changes and nothing nothing major there, but I guess I guess that was worth talking about. I don't know. <laughs> what did you think, David? I think so. So Square continues their march up market. So remember last week you talked about Square's inventory features, right? And they're giving mm-hmm. barcode scanners and they're adding inventory. Well, now they've uh, you can now pay invoices or receive payments on invoices through ACH. So if I'm using Square and I send out an invoice, somebody can pay me through ACH. And the the interesting thing is of this is their average invoice through ACH is in their test pilot was thirty five hundred dollars. So nobody wants to pay you know on th- invoices that are three thousand dollars. Nobody wants to pay that two point nine percent those square fees, right? And so ACH, they, it allows them just to bring that down. And what's happening is now they're saying it's opening the door to wholesalers, uh, home and repair, right? Service oh, yeah, providers. Yeah. So all these people, because before it was just the food trucks, yes, right? Now squares open themselves up to a bunch of new customers that they never had the option to do anymore because it just never made sense to do the credit card charge for a lot of those businesses. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Relay Financial. Do your clients use banks that make it harder for you to close the books? Do they make it harder to deliver financial visibility for clients? I'm guessing you said yes to both these questions. And that's because traditional banks aren't designed for your relationships with your small business clients. Thankfully, Relay Financial is. Relay is FDIC insured online banking that makes bookkeeping easy. You can access all your clients in a single portal, enjoy rich direct bank feeds to QuickBooks Online and Zero, automate payables, 
with multi-stage approvals and even spin up a new checking account for clients in seconds right from your browser. To join the thousands of accounting and bookkeeping firms that are standardizing their clients on Relay, check out their partner program at cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Relay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash R-E-L-A-Y. So did we talk about UiPath and their listing on the NASDAQ or on the not? We didn't talk about them going public, but we talked about because they they bought Cloud Elements about three weeks ago before they went public. Yeah. So this was a big deal and we didn't really talk about it, but we should. So UiPath is one of the top three companies in robotic process automation, essentially what are just fancy macros, right? Very fancy macros that can operate across computer programs, like on your computer and can do the keystrokes and the mouse clicking that a human would do. And big corporations are using UiPath software to to do this so they can get quick benefits of automation without having to swap out a lot of systems. They can just use their old crappy legacy systems because UiPath is just replacing the human in front of that keyboard. That's basically what UiPath does. And they went public on the New York Stock Exchange like for a ridiculous amount of money to the point where they are Europe's, according to The Economist, a headline I saw on The Economist, Europe's most successful tech export since Spotify. Enormous. Uh, and there was an article in Forbes. Headline is how UiPath turned into a $37 billion powerhouse. UiPath raised $1.3 billion and the shares have since logged a gain of 29%. Their market capitalization is roughly $37 billion. I have one more app-related uh, news. There's an app called Heirloom, and they raised $1.38 million. And their focus is to basically help small business owners get their trademarks registered properly. And so what they've done is they built some AI that helps search and flag um, the trademark if it's uh, allowed in the US and Canada. And they've done it better than, you know, if you just get a legal firm, things they'll miss or like the typical government trademark search tools, right? So they've expanded that. But really their goal is to bring the cost down. So instead of spending thousands of dollars to get so many trademarks, you can just do like $600 for your first one. And if you have second or third, it's $200 after that. That's amazing. I mean, I remember when I registered the trademark for my firm, it was expensive. It was thousands. And so if, if you think about this, like they only raised 1.38 million, right? Mm-hmm. Which means they're still young and they're still new. But if you think about like QuickBooks, you think about Avalara, you know, then they're in Toronto. So, you, you know, let's put Spotify and Spotify, Shopify right? and <laughs> uh, FreshBooks in that, in that bucket. But like all these companies, like Avalara, they're doing all of those uh, compliance things up front. Yeah. Right? And we've talked about this before. Like, it's a one-stop shop. I'm going to start a business. Boom. I'm with QuickBooks. I get my business checking account. Right. I would not be surprised if one of these players makes a play at a company like this. Yeah. This is a great start your business type of service. And for our listeners, if you want to check it out, it's it's spelled heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-U-M-E. And the URL is heirloomco.com. And what's interesting about this, if you think about like, you know, I'm just like, like doing an intuit math, right? I could easily see somebody like intuit saying, oh, we have 3 million small businesses. I'm sure half of them have not registered any trademarks whatsoever. 600 bucks a piece. The valuation of this is probably way low because some big player that has millions of small businesses 
could just roll this into the fold of one of their existing services. Yeah. Like there's no way Intuit could totally sell this to through their call center to everybody. It push this. I I just seems so cheap for 1.38 million. I know. I I might even offer this like through my firm as a service, right? I'll I'll manage this for you. I'll just sign you up for Heirloom and register some trademarks for you and charge a markup. <laughs> yeah, because if you if you do register the first one and then $200 after each one, you just always charge $200 as your service. So that way, if they ever go to the website, they never feel like they're paying more. There you go. Yeah, this could be a really sort of something to keep an eye on. I just thought it was yeah. a interesting play because I feel like there's not a lot of people in that space. Yep. I mean, I think they are, but they're just traditional pay me two grand and we'll get this registered for you type services, but not not anybody attacking and trying to bring the cost down on a, on a service like this. So FreshBooks had an update. This is interesting. I'm not quite sure I understand it. It's called the Income Importer. The new income importer integration helps you track additional sources of revenue outside of FreshBooks by pulling in your sales from platforms like Etsy, Square, and Stripe. So you connect your other platform, and then I guess it pulls in your revenue numbers so that you can like see that in your in your reports. But I, I thought that FreshBooks was doing double entry accounting now, full like accounting. So I'm wondering how that even would work. If you're not reconciling it, I'm just, I'm a little confused, but anyway, that maybe that's for folks who aren't. It sounds like a, like a, a goofy name for something like a lot of people do, right? You get a lot of those third-party apps. They pull your sales down from these places and, and, you know, put them into your accounting system. In theory, if they do it right, you know, we've had sponsors like 8X and um, I think Margin Driver does this and others where in theory, it'll reconcile to the bank, right? Once right, it's right. pulled in. But you're right. Like it feels like, it definitely has like, like sure I want to import my income. <laughs> like, well, yeah, then reconciling it—that's the hard part, right? How do you actually doing that is a challenge. And then a lot of people they'll they'll bring in stuff and then they'll end up double counting because they'll count the bank deposits as income, but then they'll also count the sales, the orders as income, and yeah, it gets all it gets all mucked up. So uh, I'll have to try that out. That's all the time we've got for this week. David, if people want to reach you online, where's the best place for them to do that? I'm on all the socials, just at David Leary, D-A-V-I-D-L-E-A-R-Y. I am at Blake T. Oliver. That's T as in taxes. And if you want to give us a call, you can do that. You can leave us some voicemail. Our number is 202-695-1040, 202-695-1040. Go straight to voicemail. You get about two minutes. Leave us a message. We'll take a listen. We might even play it on the air. We always love hearing from you, your recommendations, your thoughts, your praise, your criticism, whatever you want to say. And if you want to leave a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or for our Android listeners, David, where should they go? They can go to podchaser.com and leave reviews there. We love those reviews. We love reading them and they really help us get out to all of those listeners everywhere. That's it for me, David, this week. I guess I will see you here on the 5th for our Zero de Mayo session. I'm looking forward to teaching you how this all works and, and getting your perspective you know, as, a, as an Intuit insider uh, who I'm forcing to use Zero now. <laughs> uh, I'm going to survive. I'll get through it, I'm sure. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Right. Time for the classifieds. 
If you're looking to fast track a scalable seven-figure accounting firm without having to work a million hours a week, check out Ryan Lozanis' online coaching membership, Future Firm Accelerate. The Future Firm Accelerate program is designed around Ryan's experience of taking his own cloud firm from scratch to sale so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You'll get online learning and topics that help you automate and systemize all aspects of your firm, coaching when you need help with implementation, and you'll also join a collaborative community of hundreds of other forward-thinking accounting firm owners. For more details, head over to www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. That is futurefirmaccelerate.com. BKX is the community event only for bookkeeping professionals. The BKX conference hosted by the Digital Bookkeeper Association is June 22nd through the 24th in Las Vegas. This year will include keynote speaker Aaron Brockovich. Both in-person and virtual tickets are available, and as a Cloud Accounting Podcast listener, you can receive 15% off when you apply the promo code CLOUD15 at checkout. All lowercase letters, that's CLOUD15. Visit bkx.com to learn more and register. Are you an accountant or bookkeeper who wants to get the most out of Zero? Zero, a comprehensive guide for accountants and bookkeepers is available now. Author Amanda Aguilar shares eight years of experience using Zero in her own practice to connect the dots between accounting theory and software. See why Zero founder Rod Drury calls her a proven expert in getting the most out of the Zero platform and ecosystem. Buy it now on Amazon or through your local bookseller. With new tech coming out from around the world each day, how do you filter out the noise and find the best tech for your firm? Launch for Accountants is a tech discovery platform made for accounting firm owners. Here are just a few of the most popular launches from the month of January. A web-based tool for building narratives around your 10 key tapes, a PPP forgiveness utility, and a financial modeling platform that integrates with your entire cloud stack. To learn more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at launchfa.com. I quickly wanted to let you know about a new project that I've been working on for the last year or so. I'm launching a podcast network called Accounting Podcast Network. It has new podcasts that I know you'll love, like the Accounting Salon Conversations podcast hosted by Amanda Aguilar and the Accounting Automation Workflows podcast co-hosted by Brian Clare and Heather Satterley. Head over to accountingpodcastnetwork.com. That's accountingpodcastnetwork.com. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.